going to be doing a different psalm every week throughout the course of the summer until um, the end of August. And uh, we're going to have a number of different people that are going to be preaching as well. And we're excited about that. Um, we are not going in order, but we are starting with Psalm 1 this morning. And I, I think it's kind of fitting that we begin at the beginning, um, that this, this psalm is, is an incredibly... Um, uh, instructive piece. It, it really gives us a lot of information that we need to live a godly life. And it holds a special place in my heart because this is the first chapter of the Bible that I ever memorized um, as a first grader. And uh, I still can mostly quote it today in the same translation that I learned it in. We memorized in the New American Standard back in the day. And so like that's what's kind of ringing through my head. So as I read this, if I read the wrong words, it's probably because I, I'm getting them mixed up with the way that I've memorized it. Uh, but it's just... There's so much wisdom in this particular passage, and, and it just gives us such a good guideline for, for who God wants us to be. It's really a contrast between the righteous man and the wicked man. Now, this passage is not exclusively for men, right? This is kind of a uh, gender-neutral man. It's uh, just describing mankind. Um, and uh, some translations have even changed it to gender-neutral language, which isn't wrong, but I, I think there's enough confusion about changing pronouns that I'm just going to leave it alone for now, okay? So um, all that to say, women, this applies to you as well. Um, as, as the men, and so you can't ignore it this morning. You have to understand this is God's word and God's instruction for you to. We're going to go through these six verses, kind of verse by verse, and talk about them as we go. And we're going to start in verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. All right. Let's break down those, those different elements there. First of all, the word blessed. Um, the word blessed is an, is an incredible word. Um, now, we Christians tend to spiritualize this word. In fact, um, when somebody asks you how you're doing, maybe, maybe you're, you're this kind of person, but some people can't just say, oh, I'm good. They would say, or I'm doing well. They would say, I'm blessed and highly favored, right? Because it sounds way more spiritual than saying I'm good or I'm, I'm fine, I'm, I'm wonderful. Um, but blessed actually is a pretty simple word. It, it means happy. It means happy. In fact, uh, if you remember, a, a few months ago, we talked about the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, when, when Jesus says, blessed are the blank, for they blank, you know, and there were a number of different things. And it just means to be happy. So if you're oversaved this morning, um, you, you can um, say blessed. If you want to just simplify it in your mind, you can think about this as being happy. And, and that leads us to the first thing that I want us to understand is that, that God wants you to be happy. You know, in a world where everybody is miserable, isn't that good news? Yeah. Right? God wants you to be happy. Um, I've actually heard people say this before. Um, they say, God doesn't care if you're happy. He wants you to be holy. And I just got to say, that's garbage, right? 
What I find, it's not that God doesn't want you to be holy. It doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to be like him. In fact, he's called us to be conformed into the likeness of his image. So he wants us to be more like him. He wants us to be holy. But you know what? You can be holy and be happy at the same time, right? You can enjoy life. And if God wants you to be happy, it's okay to be happy, right? Now, here's the reality. Most Americans in our world today are not happy. In fact, uh, there's been some studies recently about the happiness of, of Americans in general, and about 70% of Americans consider themselves to be generally unhappy or dissatisfied with life. Isn't that discouraging, right? I, there are so many people that are hurting out there. And they're looking for, for fulfillment and satisfaction in all the wrong places. Some people will, will uh, even try to contrast the idea of joy and happiness. But in reality, those things are synonymous. They're, they're, they work together. God wants you to be fulfilled. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to enjoy life. That doesn't mean that he wants you to give your flesh exactly what it wants, right? That's the world's definition of happiness is that immediate gratification that what I want I take and what I want I have right now. But faith in Christ teaches us to hold off on immediate gratification for something that will make us happy for all eternity, right? There's way more satisfaction in delaying some of those immediate uh, desires for gratification for something that God has that's better for you than what the world has to offer. So how do we get happy? Well, first of all, there are some things that this psalmist tells us we're not supposed to do. Now, there's some debate over who wrote this psalm. It doesn't necessarily tell us. Some people think it was David. Some people think David just wrote everything that's not labeled. And, um, <laughs> but it, we don't know who wrote it. We know whoever wrote it had some wisdom. Um, and here's what he says. Um, he says, the first thing that you need to do, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Now, what does that mean? Um, well, here's the reality. Not every source of advice is good advice. Can somebody say amen to that? Like, I, if you want bad advice, there is plenty out there. <laughs> Listen, all you have to do to find bad advice is turn on your television, open your social media, Maybe go to your workplace. It's easy to find bad counsel. Uh, there are more people that are willing to tell you what they think will make you happy out there than you need to listen to. Right? So not every advice is good advice. Not every counsel is good counsel. Find people in your life that are godly, that will point you to Christ, that can give you wise instruction. Don't listen to people who don't have a godly perspective, right? It's more important to, to listen to people who are godly than to listen to the world around you. All right, the second thing is to stand in the way of sinners. Now, what do you do to spend time? What do you, how do you spend your time, right? Um, here's, here's the question I want you to ask. Whatever sin that you're wrestling with, where you're placing yourself in the circumstances that you're in will, will be critical in your ability to fight against that sin. 
So here are some examples. If you're struggling with drunkenness, maybe don't go to the bar. Just, just a thought. I know that sounds simple, but listen, <laughs> like, this is a major problem in our world. Like, all right, if your sin that you're struggling with is gossip, maybe don't hang around with the women that like to gossip or the men that like to gossip with you. Um, don't spend time in idle conversation with other gossips. Uh, if, if you're struggling with gluttony, maybe avoid the McDonald's, right? Uh, if you're struggling with lust, maybe you should avoid the internet. Now, I know you're thinking, well, how am I supposed to avoid the internet? Listen, civilization survived without it for thousands of years. You're going to be all right, right? You're not going to fall over dead if you don't have access to, to the internet, so put some safeguards in your life. Listen, pornography is destroying our world. It's terrible. It's addictive. It's distorting God's view of sexuality. It's messing up our culture. And we need to be responsible. It's not enough to just say, oh, well, I'm going to figure out a way to, to, to survive. I'm gonna... No, you need to put safeguards up in your life so that you don't have... Um, this temptation around you constantly. And if you're struggling with it, you need accountability. You need to put some safeguards up in your life. Don't stand in the way of sinners. Now, there are a million different things that we struggle with as human beings. And each one of our situations is different. So think about what you're struggling with and how you can place yourself in a better position. Um, third thing is to sit in the seat of scoffers. Now, that's not... Uh, a common phrase that, that we use very often anymore. But this is a big thing in our world. Um, politically right now, we're more divided than I believe we've ever been as a nation, at least in, in my lifetime. And I have a theory as to why, that, why it's gotten so bad. Um, and here's, here's the thing. Every time we disagree with someone else's idea, we think that they're an idiot. And we tell them that. Right? Now... I'm not saying that there aren't bad ideas out there. In fact, I hear stuff all the time that is absolutely stupid, that people say things and I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. But listen, how we treat people, how we respond to people, even if they say something stupid, uh, we, we act like we've never said anything dumb before. Listen, I've heard you guys say dumb things before many times, okay? I never have. <laughs> right? This is how we treat people. Like, we think that everybody else is an idiot and we're the only one in the world that has everything figured out. We're the only one that's enlightened enough to navigate through our world. And listen, you can be right on something and still be completely wrong with how you treat other people as a result. So stop berating, insulting, and, and creating division with people. Just because someone is wrong doesn't mean that they're any less precious to God. We ought to honor our brothers and sisters. And in our disagreement, you can still share your views, but do it with love and compassion. Church, we need to lead the way on this. Our world is not going to figure this out. It's getting worse. We need to change this. 
Verse 2, here's what it says. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Here's the second thing. Happy people know and love God's word. The psalmist says it right here, and he says the law, and that's what they would have referred to as the scripture they had at that point. They had the first five books of the Old Testament that was known as the law. It was the history of Israel up to that point. It was the instruction that God had given his people, and the law was Israel's way of having a connection with God. Right? Because Jesus hadn't come yet and, and provided that, that way for us to have relationship directly with the Father at that point through sacrifice and obedience and following the rules. That was how they had communion and relationship with God. And so the law was precious to them because it provided them a way to have access to God. We have it so much better now. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, I think if this psalm were written today, it would say, delight in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? There is hope in that. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, because the veil was torn in two, because of that, we have access to our Heavenly Father. What an incredible gift the Word of God is. So we should be passionate about knowing it, about reading it, about studying it, about understanding it. You know, today we have a million different translations. We have free access to the Bible at any time. And yet we have more biblical illiteracy than any time in the church's history. Why is that? Listen, why are people so miserable in this world? I think a reason that they're so miserable is because they don't know the word of God. Even Christians don't know the word of God. The, the word that uh, they use here is, is meditate on the law day and night. Um, and if you actually look at the Hebrew word, this is not just like in your mind thinking about it. Uh, it actually means to like mutter to kind of vocalize it, like to under your breath. So like when you're, when you're mowing the lawn, you're saying, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners. It's constantly going in your mind. You're using verbalization to remind yourself of the truth of God's word. It's not enough to just kind of have a vague idea that the Bible is a good thing. We need to know it well enough. We need to memorize it. We need to write that word in our hearts so that everything in our lives is impacted by the truth of God's word. Happy people know the word of God. It gives us all the keys, everything that we need. In fact, memorize Matthew chapter 5. If you want to be happy, read about what Jesus said how to be happy. Blessed is, the, blessed is this person because they this, right? It's spelled out for you. Jesus gives you that instruction. Verse 3, he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Here's the last one. Happy people are prosperous people. Now, we've turned prosperity into a dirty word uh, because um, this term prosperity gospel uh, has, has kind of become prevalent in our culture. But listen, 
If it's biblical prosperity, I'm all about prosperity gospel. I, in fact, I like to mess with people sometimes and tell them, yeah, I'm a big fan of the prosperity gospel. <laughs> now, if it's about fulfilling worldly desires, if it's about making yourself rich, listen, that is not biblical prosperity, right? That's the world's definition of prosperity. That's instant gratification. I want eternal prosperity. I want to store up treasures in heaven that moth and rust cannot destroy, that thieves can't break in and steal. And I love this picture of the righteous man that the psalmist uses of a tree planted by streams of water. Do you know how a tree grows? I didn't know this until I, I did some research. Now, obviously, like plants, they get nutrients from the soil that they're buried in, and that ultimately is converted into the matter that, that makes up trees and makes up plants. But what I learned this week is that the vehicle for those nutrients is water. So the ability for a, any plant or any tree to grow is the flow of water bringing the nutrients, right? That's, that's the vehicle that gets them to the areas that grow. Plants grow from, from the inside and out to the branches, out to the leaves. And it's that water that carries what's necessary for it to grow to the place where it needs to go. And so this picture of the righteous person being a tree planted by streams of water. What's that water in your life? What are the things in your life that are bringing enrichment, bringing nutrients to the areas of your life that need growth? Listen, if you're not committed and connected to a church family, that you're missing an opportunity for streams of living water in your life. Godly people coming around you and supporting you and encouraging you um, and, and speaking truth into your life. This is how God designed us to be in community with one another, in fellowship with one another, spurring one another on towards good works. It's important to have that connection in that community. It's important to study God's word and to know it. Those things can be a vehicle of God's blessing in your life. They can help you grow and help you mature and help you become more like Christ. Prayer is a vehicle of God's blessing in your life. It brings, it brings that prosperity to your life. It brings health and happiness. Right? All of these things are critical elements of how God um, grows us into the person that he wants us to be. Now, a tree that is by a stream will grow significantly faster than one that's landlocked. Because that water is always an abundant resource. And the nutrients can get there much faster when that tree always has access to sufficient water. I was uh, listening to, to uh, another message on, on this uh, psalm and, and, and the preacher was telling a story of how he had a pond in his backyard and he had, it was just one of those man-made things with a liner and he'd fill the pond and he kept noticing that the pond was draining. And, and so he'd fill it up again and a couple weeks later the water level was coming down and so he was like, I must have a leak in this, in this pond. And, and he removed all of the rocks from the pond and, and checked the liner and tested the liner. He's like, there's no leak here. It's, it's holding water perfectly. What he had discovered was that one of his trees in his yard had grown roots, not 
through the bottom of this pool liner, but up and over the top, and that they were reaching down into the pond and literally draining the water, and this tree was growing at an incredible rate. Isn't that an amazing picture of what a godly person, what happens inside of him? Listen, some of you have been a believer not very long, and I, or, or maybe you've kind of come to this place of, of spiritual maturity, and you've seen God rapidly take you from kind of a knucklehead to a very godly man, and not that you're perfect, or not that you're, um, not that that you've achieved everything, but like God has done an incredible work in your life, a transformative work, and now you've become something that God has designed for you. It's, it's, it's really amazing, right? And that's what happens when you're planted by streams of living water, when you have that hope of the gospel in your life, when, you, when you're grounded in the word, when you're committed to prayer, when you're connected to a body of believers, God can do incredible things in your life as a result. And then there's this contrast. And I'm going to read all, all three of these verses together. We're not going to dwell a lot on the wicked because uh, that's not the person that we want to be. But there's something significant in here. So let's read that in verses 4 through 6. The wicked are not so. They're like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. If you've ever seen a stalk of wheat before, um, you have the, the head where the grain is, and as part of that um, grain, there's, there's husks kind of around the kernels of wheat. That's, that's the chaff. And if you even rub it with your fingers, it'll come away and, and it can be blown away by the wind. And that's, that's a picture of, of the one who's pursuing all of the things in life that, um, that bring that immediate gratification, that, that bring that, that temporary fulfillment. And that's a picture that God gives us of that person. He's just driven by the wind, that every, everywhere the wind carries him, that's where he goes. And one day he might be doing well and he's pursuing something, and then the next day he might be in a terrible place again. And, and you know what? For the wicked, it doesn't get any better, right? This earth is the best that they're going to experience. Because it also says that they will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. The way of the wicked will perish. There's eternal consequences to those choices. You know, when, when my life is over, I want people to look back at my life and say, that's a picture of the righteousness of God. There was a person who was fulfilled. Like this man that, that the psalmist describes in the first three verses, that's the man I want to be. I want that for my life. I want to be like a tree planted by streams of living water that's growing that's yield, that's yielding fruit in its season as 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 the Lord brings me through different seasons of my life. I want to see God produce fruit through me. I want to be that man. I want to be that example of righteousness. 
I don't want to be the one who is just blown around by the wind, who lacks consistency, who lacks discipline, who chases after everything in front of their face, only to find out that everything that they chased their entire life was meaningless. Now here's the reality. That's, that's a picture of most of the world. I, we walk outside these doors in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces. We will see people like that every single day of our lives. And they need the hope of Jesus Christ. They're living for things that will not last. As we close this morning, I want to encourage you with this thought. Not every moment of your life is going to be happy. There are going to be hardships that you're going to go through. There are going to be discouragements. There are going to be things that, that, that drag you down. But in this life, there's fulfillment in the calling that God has given us. And his promise is that happiness is for those who pursue righteousness. And if you're willing to say no to the things of this world, the happiness that comes, the fulfillment, the blessing that comes as a result is so much greater than what the world has to offer. And, and the best part is that it lasts for all eternity. But we need to be committed to this. This can't be just something that's like, yeah, you know, I, I want that today, but then tomorrow comes and I'm back to pursuing everything else. We need to commit to being a tree planted by streams of water. You know, some plants grow and, and die and grow back and weeds change every year and but trees last, right? They're around and, and some seasons they have leaves, some seasons they have, they produce fruit, but they're always there. They're stable, they're constant. The church needs some consistency. They need men and women of God that are planted by streams of water, that are representations of the righteousness of God. I wanna pray that over you right now. And, uh, would you just receive this? Lord, we just thank you this morning that you are good, that you love us, that you're faithful to us, that uh, you've given us everything that we need in life for godliness. And so, Lord, we claim that promise right now. Lord, we want to be people of righteousness. We want to be people that stand against the temptations of this world, that aren't blown by the wind and aren't, aren't swayed by everything that happens in front of our faces. So, Lord, help us to be people of your word. Help us to be people who listen to godly counsel, who don't put ourselves in situations where uh, we'll be tempted or, or pulled in, in every direction, but are, are disciplined and faithful to your word. Lord, help us to honor you with our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.